What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. As always, I am your host, Justin Michael. And today I am joined by my partner in crime, my good friend, Andre Simone. Andre, what's up, my dude? How are you doing, my brother? Reuniting the old uh, BSN Rams crew. Always a pleasure, you know? I know, man. The, the glory years. Got to go back to like 2016. I, I saw some pictures I that I posted Crazy. on Instagram from that first pro day. And uh, one, somebody needs to go back in time and tell Justin that putting a black and white filter on a photo doesn't make the photo artsy or better. <laughs> it uh, just takes the same mediocre photo and takes the color away. But uh, it's just funny to like think about how far we've come since like just being in awe of being at pro day to, you know, pro day just being like, you know, something that you do. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's uh, it's crazy. That was uh, Tyson Brywell, right? That was the big attraction that year. We hadn't started the run on wide receivers just yet. Yeah. Oh man. Was Crockett in that mix, or was no, Crockett I, no, wait, the that year would have been, That would have been twenty fifteen. Crockett would have been fourteen. Sembrello would have been fifteen, and then Higgins was sixteen. Sixteen. I think that was twenty fifteen. I think it was twenty fifteen. Actually, even longer. We've been doing this for a grip. It's a. Uh, I'm starting to feel old. Yeah, wait till your wait till your body is like, oh, you're feeling it. I'm reminding you, you are old. <laughs> well, I did my like insanity cardio workout yesterday, and I used to be able Good. to do these like six days a week. And now mm-hmm. I'm like lucky to get if I get three, I'm like I'm an Olympian. Hey man, as long as you're getting three, and I'm all about that. I need to get the old bike tuned up so that I can get some exercise. I need to get the garage clean so I can get the cars out of the driveway and I can play hoops in my driveway. You know, there's lots to do. You'd think with the summer of being stuck at home, I would have got this stuff done yet, but not not quite. I live like directly across from Horsetooth Reservoir Mm. and... I've ne- I haven't been there once this entire <laughs> summer. Part of it is because oh, like yeah. with nothing else going on, I know it's inevitably going to be slammed every single day that it's nice out. But I'm just like, man, that that's pretty sad. Even even when there's no sports on, you have no reason not to go. You still are staying inside and and playing video games or or watching old sports on YouTube. Mm. I watched you- some of the uh, the LeBron Miami Heat games last week, and I was just like, man, I need more hobbies. Against the Mavs or the ones they actually won? The, the ones they actually won because I'm a LeBron fan. But nice, nice. That was <laughs> such a such an interesting time. Uh, I could go down that tangent for a while. I think you still have time to go to the reservoir though. So I, I'm I'm not counting you out just yet. I'm, That's I, there's true. Hope still, there's still a lot of time. Like it's only. I mean, we're not even to July yet. Time is moving so slow. I know. And then July, maybe we'll have actual American sports, and that'll be fun. Hopefully, guys, wash your hands, wear masks. Uh, We're going to be talking 21, 2021 draft prospects, I should say. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to be going over the potential of conference expansion, kind of building off what I talked about on the podcast yesterday, as well as what was basically the big hot topic on Twitter yesterday, which was just kind of this floated idea of conference expansion that kind of skyrocketed. It's always fun to get into that. Uh, before we do, though, we got to talk about Breckenridge Brewery in the 15-can sampler. Andre, what's your favorite Breck brew? Man, I'm such a sucker for Strawberry Sky. I'm just it's a so sweet tooth unique. guy. Like, there aren't, I've never had a beer quite like it. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's really fantastic. 
that uh, perfect level of sweetness, but still like actually tastes like a beer. You know, it's sometimes with when people try and do like the yes. the fruit infused, it just becomes overwhelming. Right. It's just that perfect blend. It's like happiness in a can. And that's what I love about it. It's not overwhelming. It's not like those heavier beers that are just overwhelming. It doesn't take over your taste buds. I can have five on a nice summer evening and feel refreshed, but not, you know, heavy from the beer. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Surprisingly versatile too. Kind of pairs with everything. Mm -hmm. You can eat it like with meat or you can drink it. I should say with (laughs) meals, you know, you can have it solo. It's just a great option. You can get this 15 can sampler at the closest liquor store near you using the Breck beer locator. I've talked about it for months. This just takes all the inconvenience out of beer Mm -hmm. shopping. I hate doing the awkward, like walk down the aisle, the liquor store employees kind of eyeing you like, you know, do you need help? Do you not need help? No, I know exactly what I want. Going in there, getting some Breck brews, heading on out and having a good night. Absolutely. I'm with you. Shout out to Breckenridge. All right, let's jump. Big time right on into this draft stuff. Andre is, if you don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know by now, but he is our draft guy, the draft expert, the draft guru, whatever you want to call it. Andre, who on the CSU team going into 2021 most excites you? I'm I'm guessing I know the answer, but I got to ask it right off the bat. Yeah, the answer for the entire state, probably the entire region is uh, one Warren Jackson, you know, Receiver use pumping out another another big time talent at the position, and there there's so much to get into with Warren. But not to put words in your mouth, I think we can kind of agree Warren does have the upside to be the best of the bunch. Um, and that's oh, saying absolutely. something. And that's, that yeah, is saying something. I think what separates him is, you know, he has the finesse. But he also has the size, you know. Yes. I'd say Preston Williams is is pretty elite as well. Yeah. But he's yeah. he's not quite as physical as Warren. I think yeah. ha- especially has the potential to be at the next level. Right. Right. No, I mean, and uh, you know how much cleaner Warren is off the field. I think in getting open, working his way open, Warren Jackson's really intriguing. Um, you know, he can be he can be a handful on those double moves. Um, he's a longer limbed guy. So the one knock on Warren is going to be that, that burst, that start and stop speed, you know, yeah. the, those longer limbs, everything takes a little longer uh, to get going, to stop, what have you. But he's got, um, he's got some pretty fluid hips and you'll see that when he runs like a sluggo, a little slant and go or some double moves, um, and that's where even as a number one outside receiver at CSU, he's had a lot of success. No, I, th- I, I totally agree. That was one of the, the main things that I focused on when I did a, a film mm-hmm. breakdown of what right. Warren Jackson brings to the table. You know, I talked about, you know, he has really fluid hips. He creates awesome separation. You know, when you, when you see Warren and, and the balls in the air, it's one of those situations where you just feel like he's going to come down with it. Like it doesn't even have to be a good throw. Warren is just, he's probably going to be open, but even if he's not just throw it up because he's just going to go get it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And and I, I can't remember if we've talked about this on a podcast or if this was just like, you know, something that we were talking about, you know, at the bar, or like behind the scenes, something like that. But he reminds me a lot of AJ green. And I think he has mm-hmm. the potential to be that type of, just game-changing wide receiver. I'm not. I'm not sure he's quite as fast as AJ Green was. 
you know, but just in terms of like moves well for his size, very versatile, very elusive. You can line him up outside. You can put him inside and he'll go outside. I don't know. I just, I, I think he brings so much to the table and that's, what's really going to excite NFL teams about him. Yeah. And that's the thing about him is we'll talk about separation. That's where he'll get knocked. He is one, you know, there are a lot of really, really good contested ball catchers. He's that next level elite contested ball catcher. He is one of those rare guys who he, if he is covered, he's got that six, six frame, that um, equilibrium and just natural ability to adjust to the ball and make those acrobatic catches, which is, I, I find with wide receivers, that's one of the more translatable skills. That's why guys like Cortland Sutton have kind of been able to emerge, you know, an, another guy huge knocks about not being able to create separation, but still he's overcome that Deandre Hopkins, another guy. Um, and he's, he's really, really special in that sense. I'd like to see him used more as a vertical threat, as a deep threat. I mean, they're, you know, last year they were force feeding him the ball, rightfully so. Um, but you know, that that really made it so that he was mostly being targeted in the short to intermediate game. And in the NFL, some of his value will come as a deep threat. And of course, all those natural tools make him very, very good in the red zone as well. I do wonder if if part of that stemmed from one, the poor offensive line that CSU had at times last season. It was just inconsistent. Yes. It wasn't as bad as it had been the year before, but it was just, you know, inconsistent at times. And then, you know, also obviously losing Colin Hill early in the season and then having to, you know, reestablish chemistry with Patrick O'Brien. All of that takes time. And then even when he started to establish chemistry with Patrick O'Brien, he got hurt right after Patrick took over and had to miss two games. So like all of that factored in, I think we'll probably see I think we'll see him used at least a little bit more vertically. Yeah. Just given, you know, yes. you have Dante Wright. So like yes. he's going to be the speed guy downfield mm-hmm. that they try and torch mm-hmm. you over the top with. But, you know, Warren, he, he really could be versatile because he moves pretty well for a big guy. He's not quick, but he's, he's fast, I would say. Yeah, you're right. Um, with Dante factoring into that, and we'll see how much the, uh, you know, he's used as a one for one in that Percy Harvin mode and that Adazio offense and, and you know mcbride who we'll get into in a second another intriguing option over the middle of the field you know you have right coming on crossers you have mcbride sitting on some comebackers and that's going to open up more for warren jackson and i just in my head i'm picturing obviously more of a run heavy game where the play action is going to set up more naturally to take those deep shots which should also play into o'brien's strength Oh, yes. So in Agreed. a way, while the targets should be decreased to some extent with Warren, we might see more of those elements to his game that are going to translate more naturally and, uh, you know, show, check off some boxes that we haven't checked off thus far. As soon as you brought that up, I was just like in my head, I was kind of picturing it. And I'm just like, play action post, like Warren <laughs> hit him about 45 yards downfield, touchdown. Let's get yep. involved. This is uh this is what Andre and I do in our free time. We just sit and think about how to uh, best optimize the football players that intrigue us. I think so because and going into this, I did feel like, mm, man, I, I wonder how I'll feel studying a lot of these Rams guys on offense, um, and and how how will they be able to produce in the Adazio offense? Warren, we just got into. Everyone else, though, I think should significantly benefit. 
like just on paper should look the other thing. And this is such a, a dumb aside, but we've talked about this kind of stuff before. It, there were parts rewatching that tape, especially the non-conference games earlier in the season where I felt like Marvin Kinsey was the most talented guy on that field. It's so stupid to say, but that's how how upsetting Marvin was to me at points last year because <laughs> the talent was unbelievable, and then he would just gift the ball to the other team. It was enraging. Marvin will forever be one of those great like what ifs because you saw it, you know, as a freshman he broke out, and you know you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know we're gonna have four years of this electric, versatile running yeah. back. And then he can't, you know, stay in the good graces of the coaching staff, gets suspended a bunch of times, all that. And then even after all of that, you still think like he's, he's going to figure it out. He's, he's destined mm-hmm. for this big senior year, comes out right out of the gate, puts up numbers and just can't hang on to the football. It's so like, I think he probably gets drafted even with the fumbling issues. If he didn't end up getting, you know, kicked off the team again. Right. I think, you know, somebody probably takes a flyer on him in like the seventh round, something like that. I do I hope too. as I do hope he figures it out at some point. Like I could see him honestly, like going up and being like the league MVP in the CFL or something because he's, he's crazy athletic. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Totally. No. And so powerful downhill too. And then it sent me on down this other rabbit hole of thought of how many other guys without knowing the background, you know, obviously CSU, we work together. I, I watch every game or at least every game that I can, which is basically every. So I knew everything that was going on with Marvin, the on-field, the off-field. How many other guys though have I seen just five games and been like, oh, this dude's a stud without understanding the more intricate other sides around him. And maybe how many guys have I missed on unknowingly because there was stuff like that going on. That's a good point. I mean, it's, it's very political, the whole process. Even when you look at somebody like Capri Bibbs, like I very firmly believe Capri Bibbs didn't get drafted because Jim McElwain was trashing him to NFL coaches going into it. Him and McElwain never got along once. I, I mean, I I don't have any proof or anything like that, but it it just wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I'm not saying that McElwain was out there being like, he can't play, but I just, it kind of seems like he was kind of like, you know, he was a headache, hard to deal with. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I think about him. And, and yeah. NFL coaches value that type of stuff. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're making an investment. So you're kind of hedging your bets and you want to make the safest investment possible. Um, that's what happens a lot of times, you know. At going into the season right now, where, where would you project Warren Jackson as an NFL draft pick? You know, like a... A, a mid-round pick, an early pick? Where, where do you see Warren going off the board as of now? I think with the questions he has, he is firmly in that day two conversation. So rounds two and three. Um, this is, again, another stacked wide receiver group. I have um, very similar to a guy like TJ Vasher at Texas Tech, another guy who is like above 6'5". Um, and, you know, similar to Warren, a little lighter in the pants, really fantastic contested ball um, catcher. But yeah, I think he's right in that round two to three range. And we'll see what, what can come from from this year, because I think those natural tools will get a lot of um, teams intrigued if he can just keep up the kind of momentum we've seen at this point in his career. And I'm interested to hear 
from you because, you know, the big guys like this, it matters even more. What's the buzz around campus on the type of runner Warren is? Like, what's the feel around the program with the kind of 40 he runs? They think he can run a four or five. So, yep. you know, huge. like at that point, if that's if AJ, goes out, that's what I mean. You know, you go out and you put up a four or five and I think I, I would just be so shocked if he slides out of the third round. I would too. I think, I mean, I honestly think he has first round potential given yes. what he can be. Mm-hmm. I think some of, I think the mountain West will kind of play against him a little bit. It doesn't always, you know, we've seen in recent years, the Cowboys trading up to get Vander Esch. Um, mm-hmm. I think two guys went from the mountain West went in the first round that draft class. I'm trying to blink on who the other one was. Yeah. I mean the mountain West, you know, they produce G five can produce first round talents and he, Warren just checks off so many boxes and he has all those tools you can't teach. It really is going to come down to stuff like his running ability because he hundred percent has first round talent. I've just seen these kind of guys go closer to second, third round. You know, he reminds me kind of of Hakeem Butler who went in the third to the Arizona Cardinals coming out of Iowa state. Another huge guy. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Um, But you know, he had Butler had more drops than Jackson. Usually all these guys, there's, there's some much greater blemish on their resume than what Warren has. Warren's particularly clean as a prospect. That's a good point. It really, I mean, because there's not like, like you said, you, you'd like to be able to see him used vertically. You want to make sure that he can run, get open, all of that. Another thing I will say is he doesn't get pressed a whole lot, especially against mountain mm-hmm. West cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously going to be something that happens in the NFL. You get bigger, more physical corners. They're going to want to put their hands on him a lot more. How does he end up dealing with that? Yeah. And and I think he'll be able to prove himself in that regard, maybe in a setting like the senior bowl or something like that. If he ends up getting invited to some, you know, yes. a situation where he's able to compete against some of the comparable draft talent. I just, when I see Warren, I see a guy who has all the skills. We already brought up the fact that he's completely, you know, he's a high character individual. Yes. He's a great teammate. He does all of those things. Right. And so if I'm an NFL scout, like, I feel like I'm just looking for something wrong if I'm not taking him. And, yep. and that, I'm sure that happens all the time. You know, these guys have their jobs on the line too, but totally. I, I don't feel like I'm being a homer when I say that Warren Jackson is the best G5 wide receiver in America. I mean, I, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's anybody that compares at least going into 2021. I'm thinking off the top of my head. As soon as I made that statement, I'm like, God, is there anyone at like Houston or something this year? But yeah, no, no. I, I think that's a, that's a perfectly correct statement. Yeah. Um, and you know, the other thing is the production you can't mess with that production. So it's why there's, there's not going to be a ton of pressure on him to keep up that standard of production because teams are going to understand the system changed. He's not going to get the same number of targets. But if he can just show a little more nuance in his, uh, you know, be crisper route runner, show more ability to separate deep, because again, that first gear, that acceleration and burst is pedestrian because of his size. But after that, once he hits that second gear, um, he's a handful to, to keep up with, especially since you need to be like a step ahead of the guy uh, just to have a chance to come within his range um and contest any sort of pass so yeah man um it's gonna be an exciting season for warren for sure so he gets those long legs moving man he scored a i think it was like 87 yards last year on a 
basically just like a fly route. It might've been more like a post. I'd have to go back and look at it, but just torched a UNM defender deep, went for like 87 yards. And I was one of those where I was like, all right, Warren's got some breakaway speed. Like once he's going, you don't really got to worry about him getting caught from behind. He's just got to get going. And he's one of those guys where he he's faster with the ball in his hands than he is prior totally, to totally. the catch. Uh, Juju Smith was like that. Um, Cortland Sutton, exactly like that. So there, there's athleticism, there's speed, there's potential to create more separation. We just need to hone it a bit. Hey, the Broncos got Sutton in the second and, and he's a yeah. gem. So NFL teams, if you're out there listening, watch my man, Warren Jackson, because he's going to be a stud. 100%. The, uh, the next guy I did want to ask you about, though, and technically he is not uh, a senior. You know, he'll, he'll be a junior this year. That's tight end mm-hmm. Trey McBride. Mm-hmm. CSU fans obviously hoping that he doesn't declare early. Totally. But if he blows up and has, you know, another big year, it's definitely possible given, you know, he's already starting to receive some attention just with he's just a versatile dude. It's, that's, that's the term of the day, I guess. But, you know, he's a great blocker. He's a great athlete, great catcher, great teammate all that fun stuff. What are your thoughts on Trey McBride? Man, did not expect to be as impressed as I would be um, with his blocking. Because I mean, obviously watching the Rams, uh, I know the guy's a physical runner. He's fun to watch. Uh, Boy, he's tough as nails. You know, he's a guy who uh, defender draped all over him. He's going to lay out and make the tough catch. Um, what was it? The Boise game where he makes a really tough contested yeah. catch and then like plays through injury the rest of the game. Um, clearly comes from a football family. Like it's no surprise this guy grew up with a brother who was also on the team. Like <laughs> these dudes compete day in and day out. It, it stands out. But yeah, versatile because really good blocker in line. He's not, I mean, th- this guy's pushing 260 pounds, but he's not super long. He's a bit more of a stocky build. He's still 6'4". At least he's listed um, as that. So, you know. But he's not like that Antonio Gates. Like, you know, totally, I, I get exactly. what you're saying. You know, he's, exactly. he has decent size, but he's not that like lanky, long type receiving right. tight end. Right. Yeah. Shorter limbs compared to Warren. So, especially as a runner with the ball in his hands. Um, he that can dude's move. Running like, with, he's a mismatch yeah, for so many yeah. linebackers. And he can line up in line. He could also be an H-back. I think uh, NFL teams, you know, the, the Shanahan tree has really expanded lately. So you have like five teams that are going to love a guy like McBride because first and foremost, he's a blocker. Secondly, he can u- be used in line or as an H-back or almost as a fullback. And those are the only teams really using that position anymore. You can move them around in the backfield. Um the only thing is it was the coaching staff limiting him last year as a route runner. Cause it's a lot of kind of comebacks and short stuff. But then as a runner, you see him do stuff when, when it's just a one-on-one matchup, he would stretch the seam or, um, you know, and when he's flexed out into, into the slot, he could do a little more as a receiver His productions undeniable. Um, so I'll be, I'll be interested to kind of watch more of him, engage him more in his ability to be a mismatch because that's the one concern I have. But I, I like think no, two sorry. years from now, he's, he's in that round three contention for sure. I like that you, that you bring up Trey McBride and, and just kind of the, they didn't really get him all that involved in the first half of the season, at least from a passing perspective. Yes. And I actually... I think I started to annoy Mike Bobo a little bit because the whole season, I'm just like, you have these stud tight ends 
use them. And I think, you know, some of it was probably the fact that they needed to rely on him so much as a blocker, Blocker. given that the offensive line was struggling and then they're trying to protect. And I just, I think he has the potential, like if you used him consistently enough to be a guy that goes for like 800 receiving yards and eight touchdowns on top of everything that he already does as a Mm -hmm. dominant blocker. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm an NFL team, like like you said, he's a football guy. He works hard. Yep. I just think there's there's always a spot on a roster for a guy like Trey McBride. I don't know how early he's going to go in the process, but I do think, however, I think he's going to be undervalued. Could be. I mean, and then again, I saw the NFL go gaga off a terrible tight end class this season. Um, you know, I, I, Dalton Keene, a Colorado kid who went to Virginia Tech, declares early, kind of surprisingly, goes to the Patriots third round. Better athlete probably than McBride. Not as good a blocker, not as versatile. Not nearly. Um, yeah, he definitely, uh, Dalton Keene com- runs better than, than Trey exactly. does. Exactly. Comparable yeah. frames. Yeah, know? very similar. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of worries me as a CSU guy is like, you know, the the roadmap is already there where we know that NFL teams love tight ends in the modern mm-hmm. game. Yes. If he has a good year, he could decide to go or I don't know, maybe, maybe he just decides his, you know, CSU allegiance is too strong. And a lot of that will probably depend on how this season goes, but I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on him and, and make sure that I'm not, I guess, not blinded by the fact that I like that. He, you know, I, I know the guy, I think he's a good dude. Right. No, I was way more impressed than I expected to be. And um, I'll tell you this to reassure CSU fans out there. Last year was a horrendous tight end class. This year promises to be a very nice tight end class. And two years ago was a really nice tight end class. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, all those guys. And tight end is such a shallow class. It kind of is cyclical like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if this year's a good tight end class. If 2022 is a bit of a weaker tight end class. And that's what McBride is looking forward to is as a senior entering in 2022, where he's going to be pushed up a little more. His blocking will be valued more because there are fewer special athletes at the position. And that's where I think um, he's going to be his safest bet. But I will be watching him because I am quite intrigued by the the tools he has. It's not sexy, but it's a lot of stuff that NFL coaches value and rightfully so. Just a football guy, just guys being dudes. You can say that again. <laughs> not the not the most exciting position in the world, but you know we do got to talk about Ryan Stonehouse. Just given that he's probably, if we're talking about the most likely to like be starting on an NFL team next, you know, in in twenty twenty one, it's probably Ryan Stonehouse. You know, as as excited as as I am about Warren, he's still going to have to end up in the right situation. You know, if you end yes. up on a team that has a yes. couple of great receivers, he might not necessarily get to see the field right away. Stonehouse mm-hmm. is a dude that I just I don't I don't really understand what NFL teams are looking for in punters because I was dead sold on Hayden Hunt making it in the league and still think that he's the most accurate punter that I've ever seen. But Stonehouse has that big leg that just seems to attract NFL teams. What what are your thoughts on him? Is that what happened with Hayden? Were we over? So a two part question. A should CSU and all 
Colorado and Rocky Mountain region teams be going after punters exactly like Hayden, who are super accurate. And then at altitude, the power matters a little less and that accuracy can be maximized because then the altitude's giving you a, a little extra leg. And is that why his gain didn't necessarily translate? Because once you take away but once you take away the Coors effect, then uh, things get a little tougher. Um, or did it's the gotta NFL be. just miss? I mean, like, I, yeah. I can't think of anything else because he was so consistent. I mean, he like led the nation and, and punts dropped right. in the 10 yard line. Like he was lethal. And it just, he's, I know he's still trying, you know, he's still trying to work out. And sometimes with specialists, it's kind of weird. You know, sometimes it takes punters and kickers two, three years of, trying out for teams and bouncing around until you just land in the right situation. So I'm still yeah. holding out hope for Hayden, but I'd be absolutely shocked if Stonehouse doesn't get drafted in like the seventh or sixth round or wh- whatever, you know, if you're looking for a punter, he has all the tools. He's accurate enough. Uh, massive, massive leg can really, I mean, the right. dude could probably punt the ball like 90 yards. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's got the tools, right? And he's not one of these Aussie rule football guys who are need a running start and go to the side, you know, I mean, and he's the one guy even more so than Warren, who's on all these preseason all American teams. I mean, he's a consensus top one or two uh, player at his position. So yeah, drafted or not, he should have, he should stick on an NFL roster. That's a good point, I guess given that he's a punter, maybe he doesn't end up actually getting drafted, but it does feel like with the studs, usually there's like one or two that always hears his name called. And like crazy early too. And it like, it's like the fourth round or something. Yeah, 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 totally. Like uh, I studied 400 guys and one of the punters that I haven't watched got drafted. Cool. 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 cool, cool. It's like, what? Who is this dude? A punter? Yeah, exactly. So maddening. Um, Punters are people too, though, so we, we do got to talk about him. We must. <laughs> Defensively, I don't think there's a ton of pro interest, at least going into this 2020 class with CSU, but Manny Jones, a defensive end, I think is the guy who's at least going to get some looks. He's got you know all of the, all the tools really, really strong. There have been moments where he's just absolutely taken over. He did it at Utah State last year. But the consistency just hasn't been there. And yeah. I wonder if NFL scouts are kind of going to be like, you know, like this guy at times disappeared against, you know, smaller competition. Is he going to be able to translate at the next level consistently going against guys that are as big or significantly bigger than him? Yeah, he's a guy where the the production has you intrigued. Um, from a college perspective, we should be expecting big things this year. Um, weird looking at that game log, man. There's some games where he dominated. At That's what I mean. Like you see him, it's, it's, some, it's like, loss. yeah, it's like four tackles for loss, nine total tackles, completely dominant. And then right. he'll go like three straight weeks with like total, maybe half a tackle. And it's like, <laughs> what happened here? Right. And you think, boy, if you could just spread the wealth, uh, you, I mean, that production alone will get him noticed. Um, it reminds me a bit of Curtis Weaver, the Boise State edge rusher who uh, That's a good comparison. ended up dropping a bit. Um, he's he's not quite the boxy frame that Weaver has. Um, he's not also super long, but he's got a nice frame. As you said, I think really his game, if he was instead of being like 6'4", 266", if he was like six four two ninety, 
Um, then you really interior. like them. Yeah, yeah. You can use them more as a five tech and, and three man fronts. Um, because that that burst off the line, that that bend, that stuff that really makes you a special edge rusher from the outside, I think is missing a little bit. Um, but he's got the power. He can jar you inside and sneak in off that inside shoulder. Love the motor. Love his ability in pursuit. Again, when he is, when the motor's running hot, right? Because it can be a little inconsistent. But I'd, I'd love to see what this staff can do with his hands, getting that motor involved more, getting him to just use more natural leverage um, and, 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 you know, embrace being a power edge rusher who's going to, you know, just bust the edge against the run and be able to overpower those kind of less athletic, bulky right tackles in the Mountain West and just uh, overpower them on a regular basis. I'd like to know how... How's he perform in practice against the CSU's suspect offensive tackles? I mean, you see him and there'd be, it'd be the same deal. You know, there'd been moments where he would just look absolutely dominant. Yeah. I know the coaches, you know, really believed in him on, on the yeah. old staff. And I'm sure it's similar with this new staff. I'm going to have to, God, with this whole coronavirus, it's just been a big bummer because oh, it I, limited, I you know, being able to get to know a lot of these assistants under Adazio and stuff. Right. But I would say that with Manny, there's he's probably the guy that I look at on this team that has the most to gain this season. Yeah. I think there's an argument for Warren, obviously just coming back and, and, you know, proving that he can put up those type of numbers again and staying healthy and all of that. But Manny's a guy where like he could fizzle out and, you know, everybody just kind of, you know, yeah, he was a nice college career, like mm-hmm. a good yep. player. Or he could be one of those guys who has a Shaq Barrett type senior season where he just skyrockets himself and completely, you know, flips the, well, obviously this guy can perform, you know, he's not going right. to have the same, like people were worried about Shaq being too pudgy. You're not going to worry about that with Manny. The dude's got yeah. biceps and he's cut for days for his size. It's just going to be that consistency. I think is going to be the biggest thing for him. Yeah. I'm becoming more of a technician. Cause you're right. I mean, I could have said similar things about Shaq, you know, yeah. especially coming into his final year, you know, yeah. Sloppy body. Don't know if that burst is really anywhere close to what you need in the NFL, but then the motor was extraordinary and he became a real technician and that bend that Shaq has some underrated bend for a guy who, um, you know, well, maybe I think working with Demarcus Ware and Vaughn probably yeah, benefited him greatly, but well, and as we found out with Shaq, his diet was just, you know, it was about what it was about what I ate in the dorms, which <laughs> yeah, right, right. He, he was eating true college kid garbage and then became a true pro athlete. Um, and yeah, obviously that stuff makes a huge difference. The thing that never made me even slightly concerned about Shaq's NFL potential was he was just one of those dudes that's just like a gamer. And I know that's such like a generic. There's not. There's like no weight to that statement because that you could say that about Johnny Manziel. Like he was a gamer at Texas A and M. But he was just like one of those dudes, like when the lights were on, when it was time to make plays, Shaq was going to do it. Yeah, ask Kuanjo and DJ Fluker and those Alabama offensive tackles who, who, who absolutely stole their lunch money, um, you know, how good Shaq Barrett was. That, that, being a gamer and you see it in that type of game against that type of competition, it was easy. It's so stupid Shaq Barrett went under so Use the same argument for Warren Jackson, you know, first time going down to Tuscaloosa in 2017, Fair going enough. for two TDs on a couple of mm-hmm. NFL corners. Who do you got? Minka? Minka and, um, God, who was it? I wrote it down because I wrote about it. 
Minka and Fitz? No. Oh, Minka is Fitz. Minka is Fitz, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hang on, I'll look it up. Humphrey? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not bad. That would have drove me crazy. I'm so it's glad. a good one know. to have on your resume. That's uh, In retrospect, that looks better than DJ Fluker and Kuanjo, <laughs> <laughs> who did not pan out. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, interesting you'd say he has the most to gain, though, because I would argue Patrick O'Brien would be right up there. Well, that's a good point. Where do you where do you see Patrick O'Brien right now? I guess I'll just I'll default to you on this one. I've always been intrigued. I mean, he's he's a boomer bust prospect who's a boomer bust player. As in every single snap, he could launch a 60-yard touchdown or have a, just an inexplicably bad play. Um and it, especially early on last season, he was a thrower, not a quarterback. So all the nuance of the quarterback position, uh, pocket presence, feeling Mm -hmm. out pressure, being able to throw to your secondary reads, um, accuracy, anticipating throws, throwing guys open, all that nuanced stuff uh, was completely missing. Then as the year progressed, I, I did see some improvements to get me more intrigued. Um, He's a guy who, you know, if he was in a like um, Oklahoma State's offense, um, you know, a spread where we're hitting it vertically and we don't even care that you, you're, you struggle under pressure, that you struggle off your secondary reads. I just need you to nail these kind of throws. And I think a play action heavy, um, you know, more run oriented game. I mean, if I'm a Dazio, I'm sitting O'Brien down and I'm saying, look, you need to manage the game and not make stupid mistakes. But really, your career at CSU is going to come down to we're going to give you six to seven big play opportunities. I need you to be to nail fifty percent. If you can do that, like we're going to go bowling. It's going to open up everything, especially too, because you have you have the talent at wide receivers that's going to back you know, the secondary up as is, and you have a guy like Trey McBride, who's really going to create some mismatches in between the linebackers and and the safeties and stuff like that. But he's got to be able to make those plays and you got to know, you know, we're going to give you those opportunities, but you got to know, you know, when not to go for them. Yes. And that's going to be a big thing for him this year, because I I don't think they're necessarily going to, you know, give you, you know, 20 shots to force it downfield. And then, you, when you get that play and you, you just try and force it because you haven't gotten to do it all day, you just so desperately want to go yep. for that play. You know, right. can he have the the acumen to just be like, live another down? Let's run, keep yes. running the ball. We'll just keep doing our thing. I think he can. You know, I I don't think he's a I guy. Do too. You know, I haven't seen anything out of him that leads me to believe he's not capable of being a good right. quarterback. But consistency is going to be big for him moving forward as well. Yeah, and I, man, I hope he's been working on that footwork so diligently the last three months or so. Because that's one thing, you know, even the big throws he has, I just think, boy, he stepped into that. He, if he got his hips more engaged to generate even more power, because not that he needs it, but there's more there to give. You know, that release can be, I, I like it, but it can be a little too slow when he's coming over the head. He, he kind of has a little up. bit of that like wind up, almost like mm-hmm. a baseball type yes. throw. The wind up can be just a, a smidge slow, but you know, sometimes he's scrambling and he's like making a throw where his weight is way forward or his weight's way backward. Like let's get this footwork right. Um, 
because footwork then accuracy comes that's where you and can start to it's just gonna help throws, everything right? Right? it'll help him. Mm-hmm. we know he can hit a post route 35 yards downfield we know that right. he can hit the big yes. shot yes i want to see like you know can you do a play action read hit the tight end you know 18 yards downfield yeah. on a little touch pass and you know, the footwork's going to be huge on stuff like that. Exactly. Because it's all timing. Footwork is timing. And that's where I can anticipate throws. That's where I can throw guys open. Right now, there's too much waiting for guys to come open. You need to throw them open. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I, look, man. And then if, if he takes that next step uh, beyond that, where he's starting to nail, you know, tight window throws and he's starting to, because there's some intrigue with what he's able to do as a, as a passer on the move too, which I, I like for a big guy with that kind of arm, you know, he starts to hone those more special skills. Then, (laughs) then you can compete against the big dogs in the mountain West, like Boise state and San Diego state and those kind of teams. I really think he could be that like Roethlisberger esque tight quarterback i mean he's a big dude he's hard to bring down you don't gotta like if you're a defense you're not really worried about him you know burning you for like a 20 yard scramble or something like that but you are worried about him getting out of the pocket and then being able to evade defenders and improvise and all that type of stuff and that combined with the talent that you already have at the skill positions i just think this offense can be really really good this year part of me kind of worries at times that it's like me talking myself into it because I'm just so desperate for college football to come back. And I've been like watching all of these (laughs) guys highlights and stuff. And I'm still, if this happens and this happens and this happens, they're going to be sick. Right. (laughs) Right. And as we all know, executing in the first year under a coaching staff can be hit or miss. Especially with not much of an off season to prepare and adjust, but you know, the skill positions are intriguing. (laughs) Adazio's big task is getting his bread and butter on the in the trenches really right because uh I, you know that's what it comes down to in a lot of ways look man with adazio and it comes to the offensive line like oh. everything he has done in his career leads me to believe that it's gonna be fine i'm i'm totally giving him the benefit of the doubt i understand that like some people you know they weren't stoked about the hire in the first place i've admitted that i wasn't that stoked about the hire sure. i just i didn't think it was very exciting you bet but his track record with being able to develop offensive line, I mean, especially like guys that are kind of under the radar, what he was able to do at BC. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I don't really have any worries about that. Totally. They've got another couple guys coming up um, that I'll have to watch for the 21, 2021 class that Adazio recruited and developed at BC. And yeah, I just, I, I have no doubt that Adazio will get it right in the trenches. It's a matter of, can he get it right with this group? Or is he going to need his guys? And are we going to have to wait a couple of years? Well, that's what's really going to be kind of interesting about this offensive line is you lost two starters to transfer. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're already looking for them. And a lot of, there was like three or four other guys that were lower on the depth chart that also transferred out. But they, they've brought in so many of their own offensive linemen at this point. I, it's going to be kind of interesting. I, I, it could be a situation where you have like a couple of sophomores or redshirt yeah. sophomores in the starting lineup, potentially uh, probably Cam Reddy, who's transferred over from Boston College. I don't know. Barry Wesley's the, the backbone of the offensive line. One-time walk-on, the pride of Bear Creek High School, which is... Well, it's, it's crazy, to say, crazy to say, but he really is a stud. Like, he, he's so versatile. We've had a lot of Colorado kids come up out of nowhere and uh, become some sp- pretty special dudes, man. Tom Nalen and Nate Solder. And 
those kind of guys. So uh, that would be so cool. Barry's just like a good dude too. Like you know, sometimes some players are just easier to root for because they're genuinely just like when you see them, you're like, ah, I just love that dude. That's how I feel about Barry. Got to respect guys that came up, uh, you know, and earned every single thing. Oh, exactly. You know, fighting an uphill battle every step of the way. Not cool. one of those guys that, you know, got taken out to dinner on recruiting trips and, you know, all the, all the flashy sale. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we will, uh, we'll talk plenty of 2021 draft stuff as that approaches. Obviously we have plenty of time. Yeah. I did want to talk conference expansion though with you. Before we do, though, got to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, everything that they've got going on this weekend. Uh, Andre, how have you been doing? I know you're our DNVR bets guy. Have you been hot lately? I have been hot lately. This was a huge weekend for me. Um, I got down to the main event for USC with a big parlay and play um, and some few other picks, and I was really down to my last... uh, it was, it was a make or break. I either won this last bet or it was time to make another deposit. I won it. And then the next day I won some more and, um, yeah, it's looking great. Now I've got a few other picks going on right now that are looking good. So yeah, man, it's, uh, things seem to be working out, but that that's the beauty of DraftKings. It's, uh, it's up and down. It giveth and it taketh away. And I've got to learn all these new sports and they've got all these incredible deals on there. It's a, uh, it's wonderful. I love legalized betting and I love doing it through that DraftKings Sportsbook app because it is just fantastic. It's so convenient. It's so easy oh. to place a bet. It's almost like too easy to place a bet because you're, you're just like sitting there and it's, oh, I can put a couple of bucks on this and then you just press the button and it goes through and it's like, oh, I, I, oh, I guess I placed it. That's right. Yeah, lots of uh, random $1 NASCAR bets being placed on Sunday for guys that were uh, plus 10,000 underdogs. You know, <laughs> yeah. so. I put a I put a dollar on Martin Truix and he was in like momentarily in first place with like 20 laps left, <laughs> which apparently doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I was too, like yeah. all stoked. And then he like, he pitted and then he was like in 10th place and never right. got even close. And I was, was just over. like, wait, what? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But uh, these days, the sports landscape is constantly evolving, and this week is no different. Luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. For a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. This week, we're full of action from golf to European soccer, and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. Head to the app now and check out all the special odds, the promotions that will be available throughout the week to help you make it rain. One of the things I love about DraftKings, their US base make it really, really safe and secure. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about withdrawing your funds. You could do it right from your couch. You could do it from the toilet, wherever you're going to do it. Super easy, super clutch. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Beautiful. I'm getting better at that. Sometimes that, that one's kind of a mouthful, that, that last part when you got to do the little legal disclaimer. Uh, I thought you nailed it though. Well done. <laughs> 
making Andre proud. That's all I That's try right. to do in life. <laughs> That's right. Good, good. Then, then uh, you're, you're clearing the bar uh, by a mile. So no fear. <laughs> We, uh, we're about to talk conference expansion and we're not going to like name all of the teams in every single conference and go over it detail by detail. But I did kind of just want to ask you, you know, of these proposed leagues, which one stood out to you? What do you like about this? What do you dislike about this? And then we'll kind of go into the Rocky Mountain Conference, obviously, specifically, given that that's the one that has all our local teams in it. Well, what I don't like about it is the Big 12 basically stays the same and um, kind of gets better. Um, That's like, what I said it, yesterday. I said I, I think of all the conferences that improve, the Big yep. 12 probably improves the most. SEC and Big yes. 10 probably decrease, like lose the most talent. Big 10 especially. Big 10 kind of gets ravaged here because they have to divide up in the great Midwest. Um, and what is it? The great, oh, the great mid East and the great Midwest. And, so you're and kinda, then you got Northwestern and the mid American. So they, they got people right. going all over. I would say the great mid East would be kind of intriguing from a competitive standpoint, because you have some smaller yeah. programs in like central Michigan, who I do think could probably compete with like, you know, the Kansas, Kansas States of the world. But then also, you know, a program like Minnesota where you know, Minnesota could probably run the table in a league like this when they don't have to play, you know, Ohio State oh, and Michigan totally. and Wisconsin and, and I even like a Wisconsin. That. You could say the same thing for them. Yes, you know? exactly. And I love that they added North Dakota State to the great Midwest. Love that. The Mountain West, nice if they don't add North Dakota State in the next five years, I'm going to send Craig Thompson so much hate mail for the rest of my life. I will never get over them blowing it with Gonzaga on the hoop side. Oh, man. Yeah. It's they're right there for the taking. I know going D one is actually a lot more complicated than people realize from a financial perspective. They would have to be viable, not just with football, but with everything else. And so oh. I get that it's complicated, but go get it, get it done. They would be a top team in the mountain West year in and year out. They already would be competitive. I, I think I, in a sense, they might lose the edge a little bit by uh, moving on up, you know, it's probably to, to be honest, it's easy to dominate the, Right. Well, I shouldn't say easy to do, to do, to do what they've done is, is not easy. Yeah. But to get to that point, it becomes easier than starting a new in another conference where you're one of the less attractive locations. Um, yeah. I'm not sure uh, Fargo is, is, you know, an easier yeah. location to sell than San Diego on the beach. Totally. The great mid East though, so piggyback off that point would kind of open up a massive inroad for those Ohio and Michigan recruits to stay at home. And yeah. suddenly they're not spreading out all over the, the big 10. They're not going to Penn state. They're not going to Nebraska. They're not, you know, they're not going all over. They're kind of staying in Ohio and Michigan. And that could really help those programs both the big dogs and the, um, the lower dogs. So yeah. And the Sun Belt remains intriguing. I mean, when you've got Bama, Auburn, LSU and the both Mississippi teams, like, yeah. Um, and Arkansas is in that mix. Plus Memphis, who's been the best G five team Probably of the last couple of years. years. Yeah. 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 I mean, Boise is the only team that's really given them a run. Houston's had their moments, but yeah, I think Memphis over the course of those, 
I mean, there, let's put it this way. There's no other G5 team that's produced two head coaches that have gone to blue blood schools. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I talk a lot of trash about the American conference. I, I just <laughs> think they're, so. they're kind of dorky. It bothers yeah. me that they try and yes. like advertise themselves as the sixth power conference. Like, come on now, stay in your lane. Like I'm all for going well, for it and trying to, but like, no, I'm just, with you a hundred play the games. Just play the games. Yeah. And it's classic, like Northeast bias, you know, it's like saddle down. Like exactly. There's a reason you guys are always, you always have three teams in the rankings because those, those stupid writers can't stay up past 10 PM Eastern to even watch the mountain West or the Pac-12. So let me say this real quick before we don't get me started, Justin, please. If, If you are fortunate enough to cover college football for a living, if you don't do everything in your power to absolutely watch as much college football as you possibly can, you should not be, you should not have a job working in this. And I get that like, it sucks. Sometimes they're like, you want to go do other things. Your friends want to go out. Do you want to be able to have a normal life? Well, guess what? You get to cover college football, stay up till two in the morning, drink some coffee the next day. You're going to be fine. Watch the Mountain West, watch the Pac-12. So people like Christian McCaffrey don't get screwed over because you were too lazy to do your job. Preach, brother. Uh, here, here. So I, I guess I just talked myself a little more into the Mideast. That's the one Sun of my Belt's favorite ones. Still going to be tough. I, the, the ACC gets destroyed here. Um, you know, like the Mid-Atlantic is garbage. It might be a fun basketball conference. That's what I was going to say. It'd probably be the most elite hoops conference. It would be, 100%. But it would definitely not be very intriguing from a football perspective. The Mid-American's not very intriguing either notre dame's just going to run away with that tennessee has their moments maybe but notre dame has never been more inclined to stay independent than when they saw the proposal for the (laughs) american they were like what you want us to do what (laughs) we got to join the big 12 for texas money and now we're in the mid-american against western kentucky and tennessee no thanks um also like notre dame's so close to chicago you you need to maximize that Chicago market. Uh, them and Northwestern should have been in the great Midwest. I'm sorry. Um, Agreed. The Kansas schools or Nebraska should have been sacrificed somehow. Um, and, but, you know, the deep South looks real good all of a sudden. All those Florida schools plus Georgia. Yeah. Well, and you have the same argument basically with yes. keeping talent local as you used in Ohio. And I'm, and really you could say the same thing with the, with the Southwest, with all those Texas schools and totally, I mean, it would just be super intriguing because a lot of those guys played each other in high school. They would have familiarity, right? You know, some of those storylines kind of write themselves. But what right, I do so- like about the deep South is UCF would finally have to like, all right, here's your opportunity, <laughs> yeah. man. Like we've yeah. had to listen to you for six years. Can you out-recruit Florida and Florida State and Miami? Because I don't think so. But being able to pitch, you can now play against those teams would give them a little more of a recruiting edge. That's a good point. I didn't think think about it in that regard. Now, I I hadn't thought about but with the conferences being more regionally based, yes, it helps with travel. But it really does give huge advantages to those regions that have the prime, you know, recruiting footprint. So Southwest, Sunbelt, and Deep South all of a sudden have a massive advantage. Pac-12 has a massive advantage because I think now the, 
the California in-state talent stays home a little more. Though, again, this probably opens it up to where all these other big conferences are poaching California even more because the Pac-12 looks a little less sexy now. And then it really makes me wonder, well, what happens to this Rocky Mountain conference? Are they stuck recruiting basically the stuck with Mountain West recruits all of a sudden? I didn't think about it in terms of recruiting. And that's an yeah, I hadn't either until just now. Interesting proposition, especially with like California. Mm. Because, you know, are you staying to play Cal's and Fresno States if you're like an elite guy who's totally. trying to decide between, you know, going to SC or like bolting for, gosh, I don't know, Michigan, whatever, whoever you want to use. Totally. Right. Yeah. Ohio State, let's say, because that happens all the time. Or does it, maybe it doesn't even like impact it that much because at the end of the day, like people just like, you know, kids want to go where they want to go for school. Some people are inevitably always going to want to leave the state. That's interesting. I wish we would have thought about that before because I would have put a lot more thought into how I think that this would impact recruiting. Yeah. And early on, I guess everyone would start at a bit of an equal footing because the all of a sudden that SEC name brand, that you know, Power Five name brand, we're kind of starting anew. Like all these these brand IPs haven't been built up yet. Um, and I, I would love from a CSU perspective, you love this conference because all their natural rivals are right there. It's, I think that's what would be so fun about the Rocky yeah. Mountain is like all those natural storylines are already in place, obviously because totally. you have the geographic rivals, but a lot of these programs have, you know, history in general, like BYU and Wyoming. That's not necessarily a rivalry, I think, that you would think about, but those schools don't get along at all. Utah State and then Boise State. Boise State and BYU don't get along all that well. Mm -hmm. BYU doesn't seem to get along with anybody, and that's (laughs) why I kind of want them in the league because I think it's just good drama, good TV. Yeah, and just like CU-CSU play out a conference every year, BYU-Utah do that, so now you're just putting them in the same conference. Boy, we could have upped it just a bit by getting Nebraska in here. Just saying. Like, I would would sacrifice UNLV, New Mexico for, like, Kansas and Nebraska. That would be awesome. You expand more regionally. The benefit of having UNLV Mm. is you can host all your league events in Vegas. You can have conference championship game, Mountain West tournament, that type of stuff. But like that shouldn't be the highest selling point for a, for a member is we have a cool city. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we could host tournaments in Vegas regardless. If you added Nebraska and Kansas and took out New Mexico and UNLV, that, that league is probably as co- as good as like the current Big 12. I think it's better than the Pac-12. The well, bottom we, of the Pac-12 is just you, so terrible that it You need brings someone it other than Utah to step it up. Yeah. You would right? need Boise like, to be like that top yeah. 10 level Boise, not yes. like top 25 right. level Boise. Right. If not, you're counting a lot on programs like ASU, Boise, um, BYU. Even the Buffs and Nebraska and Kansas to be able to like really maximize their potential. And honestly, if you're going that route, it, you're going to have to pick between Wyoming and Air Force, eliminate one of those two um, to make room for Kansas State. 
And it's basically I'd eliminate the, Air Force, but I would too. If I think the conference would as well. Yeah. You know, there's just not. You don't bring a ton of fans to the perspective. You know, they don't have. I mean, they consistently win. That is one thing they definitely do. Absolutely. But yeah, they don't. They don't move the needle. Uh, that could also be an argument on why you'd want to keep them out because it's like they don't they're not going to contribute financially. They don't bring the fans. They're not bringing a TV market and they still might beat our best team and like mess up our chances of getting somebody in like the playoff. hundred percent air force would a hundred percent in that weekend on Thanksgiving be an undefeated Utah team. That seemed like the Rocky mountains only chance to make the playoffs, right? Like this has already played out two of the last three years. Like, Will Utah blow it again against Air Force? They've uh, really been there, you know. It's just like God. It, it sets up so perfectly. Yes. Just give up like four hundred y- yards on the <laughs> yeah. ground and six rushing touchdowns. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, so yeah. obviously, this benefits CSU because it's a better just league overall than the current version of the Mountain West is. Yeah. What do you think about from the Buffs' perspective? Would this be a bad move? I honestly. I think they'd be more competitive. I think you have more natural rivals that come into play. I think it makes it easier for the fans to travel. Other than like Pac-12 money, and we don't TV even schedules we don't know, would be better. You know? Yeah, I just to me this this makes more sense than totally trying to out recruit USC in their own territory. No, it does a hundred percent. It makes it a much more natural kind of feels like the old Big Eight days, you know. Yes. Um, where Oklahoma's the big dog, but we don't need to worry about the Texas teams. Nebraska's the big dog, but we don't have to worry about the Texas or the California teams. Um, but yeah, it would be really interesting in this conference. How would Texas and California, which are so huge for basically every single one of these programs, how would they be able to still recruit Texas? Yeah, can you still bring those players mm-hmm. if you're not playing in those in you know that part of the country? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I can already see it like, Oh yeah, we've got a contract with FS one. And, uh, like now it's time to convince this kid from Houston that his mom's going to be able to watch this game on TV. Um, you know, as I'm recruiting him to whatever Boise state. Uh, so yeah. At nine 30 at night. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully we would abandon the nine 30 games. Just leave that to the PAC 12 now. Oh, we'll I just want expansion, I think, or realignment at this point, just to kind of shake things up. I think we're just kind of at that point with college football, maybe not quite on this grand scale, but I just would like to see something shaken up, whether it's like the big 12 going and adding two teams and actually having 12 teams since you're calling yourself that. What Can we talk about how dumb that is in college football? The big 12 has 10 teams and the big 10 has 14 teams. It's so insane to explain it to like my family members who don't fall over, like friends who don't pay attention is really just wild. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it whatsoever. It's inexplicable, but I don't know. I guess I agree with you, but man, it's tough. It's just, I I love the playoff idea. I still do. I still think the four team is in some ways the fairest um, and creates the most intrigue nationwide. Um, I'm one of the few know, people that that thinks they should not expand the college football playoff, that they have it yeah, exactly yeah. right right now with four teams. I agree. I agree. Now, this is the system where fan, Georgia fans 
are invested in an Oregon Utah game happening at 9 p.m. on the West Coast in week 12, you know, because that has major playoff implications for them. I love that crossover. Um, but inadvertently, it has created a real have and have nots and more so than the BCS with these conferences. Um, it's just SEC and Big Ten. Again, it's really a power two, a group of three or five and the rest who are like barely even division one programs, you know, um, you're in my mind right now, Andre. Yeah. Literally word for word yesterday was like the gap between the sec and the big 10 right now. And everybody else is so great. It's so drastic. It's, you know, larger than it's ever been. And that's why the, that's why this whole process intrigues me because, you know, maybe it results in, a program like Wisconsin or Minnesota being to elevate itself because they don't have to run such like an intense gauntlet or even a program like Georgia or Mississippi state, you know, someone where it's like, you still got to play a lot of good teams, but you don't have to run the gauntlet of that like sec West every year. Right. I just, I would just be very worried that all of a sudden it would make it that the deep South Sunbelt Southwest and great mid East are the only things that matter. And aside from maybe like Clemson and Notre Dame still few spot and, schools, and yeah. USC and Washington or Oregon still matter in their own areas. But, but what do I know? I mean, maybe this is what we need. It sure makes a lot more geographic sense, but the recruiting implications now that we've been able to talk about it out loud are fascinating. Fascinating. Oh, definitely. And it, it, it absolutely would impact it. It's just, the question is, is, how much does that type of stuff really matter? Right. It definitely does to an extent. I mean, we see it all the time, like Colorado do, signing that home and home with Texas A&M. Like you're not going to convince me that that wasn't because so that you can say like, we have a game at A&M, your family will be able to come. Totally. Yeah. I mean, just visibility, just reminding people in college station, like, Oh yeah, Colorado's a program. They play football and hopefully they're, pretty good when they play football so that that's even more of an endorsement right (sighs) i just hope we get college football man uh yeah we're not uh we very intentionally didn't like make this whole podcast like what if especially with the whole nuggets news today and the players like testing you're gonna get all kinds of takes about see sports just aren't possible we'll have to see how all this plays out but just as somebody that absolutely loves college football Oh, it would just be so devastating. I understand there's like more important things in the world. I'm not trying to make light of any of that, but I just love it. It's great. That's amazing. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, we need college football. So we'll just leave it at that. All right, Andre, I'm going to get you on this podcast more frequently. You're a busy dude and I always feel bad. Like, don't. I got to get you on here because our conversations are always a lot of fun. And I feel like I always learn a ton. Uh, tell the people where they can follow you on social media and all that fun stuff. Yeah, sure. You can find me on social media at Andre Simone, spelled like Simon with an E at the end. Um, and then you can find me on the DMVR sports account streaming around five every day DMVR bets daily. That's been a lot of fun. And you know, 
is subscribe to DMVR, follow my stuff. I'll write film rooms and college football stuff. And I'm getting back into more analytics stuff and what have you. So um, yeah, just follow along and, and support us. And I'm a busy guy, but if you can take, if you can free up an hour of mine, I would much rather do this than some of the other stuff on my plate. And this gives me an excuse to take that stuff off my plate. So, you know, you're kind of doing me a solid. We just got to work the system a little bit better and delegate responsibility to other people. So they have to do the non-fun stuff and we get to just talk about football and and all the glamorous parts of our positions and get rid of the editing and the research and all the terrible stuff nobody ever wants to do. Exactly. (laughs) Well put. Andre, thanks for coming on, man. I will definitely be locked into DNVR bets. You should as well. My guys, Andre and RK, are just, they're just trying to make you money. That's what it comes down to. It's true. We are, we are a company of the people. We are here for you. Shout out to everybody that subscribes. You guys make the dream work. We love you. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Peace.